Welcome to Piecemeal, a podcast hosted by the Emily Program, where we put it all together for you. Piecemeal discusses topics related to eating disorders, body image issues, and how society may contribute to distorted thinking. Please keep in mind that we may discuss difficult topics, and we ask that you use your own discretion when listening and that you speak with a therapist as needed. I'm your host, Jillian Lampert. Today, we are thrilled to bring you another guest with a beautiful recovery story. Taylor Humphrey is here to tell us about her experience. Taylor is a first-time mom to a one-and-a-half-year-old who has been with her fiancé for almost four years. She has been in eating disorder recovery for about 10 years and has a passion for helping others who are struggling. Taylor strives to spread eating disorder awareness, currently as a personal trainer and nutritionist, and previously as a coach for moms of daughters with eating disorders. She hopes someday to be an even bigger voice and advocate for recovery, as she feels blessed to be in the position she's in and wants to show others the beauty of life and recovery and the strength they have. Thanks so much for being here with us, Taylor, and sharing your story. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Let's let's dive in. Let's start with kind of exploring how life looked when your eating disorder started to develop. When was that? And what was going on at that time? Yeah. So I was diagnosed with anorexia at age 12. I was an athlete. I did a lot of sports, my main sport being volleyball. And I was very competitive. And really what happened was my mom just kind of started to notice that I wasn't the same like my energy was going down, my weight was going down. I was pretty obsessed around eating healthy and eating perfect because I thought that's what was going to make me the best athlete. And I wanted to stand out. I I was already looked at as an elite athlete from a very young age. And I thought that by taking control and working out more than my peers and eating less or eating better than is what would make me a better athlete. So I remember my mom she didn't really say anything to me. She just kind of took me to the doctor and told me it was a regular checkup. And I remember the doctor asking me really weird questions of just kind of like, oh, are you afraid of food or do you like eating? And what do you eat? And I'm like, this is kind of weird. Like I didn't sign up for this, but okay. And I was just like, no, no, no. And he, he goes, well, have, have you ever heard of an eating disorder? I'm like, I've never heard of anything of the sort. Like, what are you saying? And I remember him handing me a piece of paper and asking me to fill it out. And it was the assessment for, and if, do you have an eating disorder? Basically, it was the questionnaire. And I kind of looked at it and in my head, I'm like, well, I'm answering no to all of this because obviously something's going on. And I handed it back to him. And I remember him looking at me and looking at my mom and saying, I think she has an eating disorder. And I, I think she has anorexia and with no explanation. And I basically remember ending that appointment with you have to go to the grocery store and get these things. And I remember it specifically being like bagels and cream cheese and chips to basically prove that if I ate those, well, then I didn't have an eating disorder and that I could continue playing my sport. So it's like, it was this thing hanging over my head of if you do this, then okay, fine. We believe you. But if we, if you don't, then you for sure, there's something wrong. And in that position as a 12 year old, I was stubborn and I was like, well, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I think there was a lot going on that was a lot deeper and I couldn't do it. And so I ended up kind of being stubborn in the reverse way and doing the complete opposite of eating even less than I was before and trying to prove like, I still don't have a problem. And so I think it was maybe a month or so later, um, my mom took me back to the doctor 
weighed me right away. And I think the next week I was in treatment and nothing was really explained to me. My first treatment experience was awful. I was 12 with probably 30 year old women. And I remember not being allowed into groups and not really told what was going on. I was just all of a sudden in this facility and away from my parents and being forced to eat and being told that I couldn't call them and not allowed in groups to learn about what was happening. So it was, it was a shock and it was a whirlwind in a very short amount of time, especially at that young age that I just didn't know what was going on. That's an incredible story. Just thinking about how much information you didn't have and how different that is than if you had, I don't know, you know, had a something wrong with your knee or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, just in terms of how how it was approached, do you remember what you were what you were thinking or feeling about about food, about your body, about yourself, about your identity? What was going on for you as as a person who you were, what, how you were thinking about yourself? You're you're twelve. That's a really critical time in development. Uh, it's super critical time in social development. Tell us a little bit more about that part of things. Yeah, I think I saw myself with very. I didn't see very much value in myself. I think it was, I was trying to create this image that I already had in my head. And I wanted to see that in the mirror of what I thought an athlete should look like or what healthy was. And comparing to a lot of my friends around me and a lot of the friends that I was playing sports with, I always thought that I was so much bigger than them. And I wasn't. And looking back on it, it's like, how could I even think that way? But I just saw myself so differently than everybody else around me. And part of me really wanted to feel that way. I wanted to stand out and I wanted to be different because I'm, I'm elite compared to you guys. I want to go further than you guys. And that was my mindset at 12. And it was like, I'm going to be different. And my different was this image that I could never see in the mirror, but I had in my head. And I just couldn't ever achieve it. And I was never satisfied with it. Something was always wrong with what I was wearing or the way I looked and crying when I went out of the house because I was so embarrassed with myself that it was just like, I don't even want to leave. And when I was playing volleyball, it was, you know, you you wear the uniform that's required for volleyball. And that was super triggering to me. It was very much like, even though everything that I wore was big when it wasn't supposed to be big it was so tight to me and it was just so skewed. And I saw myself in this light of you're never going to be good enough. And you don't look how you're like, you're supposed to look, you know, you're supposed to be smaller and Oh, so-and-so is smaller than you. You're not doing something right. Your performance is terrible. And it was constantly being just hard on myself. And I think a lot of that too was just with my childhood. Like I was very much, deemed like the perfect child. I was the golden child. My dad called me the golden girl. Like my brother was a troublemaker. I had this image of perfection in my head that I just could never see outward. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of people, I think that can identify with, with some of the themes that you're giving voice to. And and I think probably most of all that incredible strength of the eating disorder thoughts that just seems so real. And at the same time, the world sees something totally different and the world experiences something different while sending lots of complicated mixed messages about weight and appearance and achievement and athleticism and all of that. It's kind of a hot mess, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it really, it really was. 
What to what extent did other people notice you were struggling, like your teammates or your support system? How would you describe what other people thought, or if they thought anything was going on, and and how would you describe your support system at that time? Yeah, I mean, my I knew my mom really always did support me. I, I knew she was in my corner. However, I I got my stubbornness from my mom for sure. Um, so when she felt like she didn't understand or she couldn't help me we butt heads a lot on it because I thought I was right. And she thought she was right. My dad never really understood what was going on. A lot of the time he was just like, I don't understand why you're not eating. And their, their way of supporting was being sneaky and trying to sneak calories into my food or extras here and there. And my dad at one point, you know, there's insure and insure plus, and he swapped the labels on me in the middle of the night. (laughs) I was like, I didn't find out for years and I was so mad at him because just the trust, like I was like, you're supposed to be supporting me. And I look back on it and I laugh now and it's a joke now in recovery. I'm like, you know, good for you, dad. Good pull on that one. But it's hard because like, even now it's being in the house in my childhood house. It's a trigger to me. It's a trigger that it's just, it brings up stuff. And I'm kind of like, man, it's been 10 years. How am I still remembering this stuff? But yeah, a lot of people around me really didn't understand what I was going through. I'm from a very small town. I was one of, and it was very obvious that something was wrong, that I was sick and I couldn't see it. And I wasn't really, I didn't want to talk about it. I, if somebody approached me, I'm fine. Like, I don't want to talk to you. I'm fine. I don't want questions. I don't want to answer your questions. I don't know what you're seeing to ask me what's wrong with me. So People were concerned. A lot of people went to my parents. A lot of people asked my mom, is Taylor okay? And my mom would tell me these things in hopes that it would like spark something, that I would see something and I would get mad. And I'm just like, I just didn't feel supported. I felt attacked mostly just because I didn't think anything was wrong. And everybody around me telling me this, telling me something is wrong and pushing me to get help that I didn't want. And taking sports away from me and taking the control away from me and watching my every move and not letting me do things that a normal teenager would do. And I didn't understand it. So to me, looking back on it, I see it as support now and I see it, it needs to be handled differently. I think in a lot of scenarios, I just think when people don't understand, it's so hard to empathize and it's so hard to support and redirect in a helpful way. And I never had that. And it just really pushed me to do the opposite still because I felt attacked. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that stubbornness that, that is actually really helpful once it gets turned towards recovery uh, is super tenacious and the yes. just grabs right onto that. Yes. Yeah. Tell us uh, a little bit more if, if you can about getting care, getting, getting treatment. You know, we know that eating, you know, entering eating disorder treatment is you know really easy particularly for adolescents, like exactly like your story, like you're in a unique stage of development, uh, you know, being 12 and being in that stage of development is hard enough. And now you have on top of that, this thing that everybody's worried about and you feel different and you want to be, you want to be different, but not in that way. And, and everyone's asking you questions and you maybe don't have words for what's wrong or if anything's wrong. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about your, your treatment experiences and how those, how those went. To be a hundred percent honest, I had some pretty terrible treatment experiences from a very young age and a very vulnerable age. I 
wasn't believed in a lot of ways. And looking back on it, a lot of it was me still being stubborn and being strong headed that nothing was wrong. And I didn't like the label of eating disorder and the label of anorexia. And I got really, really mad when I was lumped in that category. So I would push back a lot with care care providers and all of that and doctors and dietitians and therapists. I was not an easy patient. I I know that, (laughs) but there was a lot of things too, where it was like, I didn't want to open up for the help because you guys aren't believing me and you aren't supporting me and you are telling me something is wrong, but I'm telling you it's actually not that. And so it took me a really long time to trust in somebody to actually help me and care about me and think that, hey, maybe maybe an eating disorder isn't just this one category. There's there's different meaning behind it for everybody. So when I went to treatment, I went inpatient, partial, inpatient, partial, residential every month, pretty much from age 12 to 16. I don't, I think in total, I maybe attended high school one year out of the four because I was in treatment so long. And then at 16, I remember my mom just being like, okay, we, we keep sending you to this one spot. It's not working. You're in and out of the system. Pretty much. They aren't, everybody's butting heads at this point with the caretakers and me, and I'm just growing and becoming more stubborn and not trusting them and nothing's getting resolved. And I remember my mom presenting the option of an out of, out of state place. Um, and I was really reluctant to doing it. I was very close to my mom and I was scared and I had never really been to summer camp at that point. So I'm nonetheless out of state without her. And I remember once I agreed to it, that really turned the corner in my recovery. I found a therapist that to this day, I know for a fact played a huge role in me really understanding what was going through my head and that I wasn't crazy and that it was okay that my eating disorder wasn't the same as X, Y, and Z. And once I started to understand that and be able to open up to him that what I was really feeling without being judged or having a label put on me, I really started to realize like, okay, like I'm not crazy. Some things are going on because of things that may have happened in the past or things that I'm still feeling that I haven't worked through. And I really took a deep dive into like what's going on with Taylor. And I was there for about eight weeks and I came home And I was home for about two weeks. And I remember looking at my mom and saying, I'm not ready. Like, I'm just not ready to be home yet. It was a very, very triggering environment for me. My brother has his own deal with mental health and alcohol and addiction and all of that. And it was a very triggering environment for me because him and I really butted heads when it came to like mom and dad's attention. And he blamed me a lot for my eating disorder. So for me coming back into that and then being forced to go back to school right away and kind of all of a sudden come back out of nowhere. I'm like, I'm just not ready. Um, I felt like I was really growing there. So I went back and I think I was there for another eight weeks. And I think after that eight weeks, I was out of treatment for a few months. I think it might've been even six months that I was doing really well. And then I remember about 18, 
I, I was seeing an outpatient therapist. I was doing well. I was seeing a dietitian. I was getting back into sports. I was getting social again. Then about 18 hit. And I think just some life circumstances. And I was like, I need to go back. But when I went back, I was now in the adult program and it scared me. And I came home and ended up going to a local place here. And I met another therapist that I had been, I had known of, and I've worked with a little bit, but we connected on a really deep level. And she really started to expedite my recovery and understanding of what I was going through and the stage that I was in of coming from knowing her when I was 12. Now I'm 18 and there's things, there's other things happening. I have a new understanding. I have a new perspective. And I really started to turn the corner between age and like ages 16 and 18 of like at least understanding and being okay with that. There's something going on and I don't have to label it as a problem and I don't have to label it as anything really. There's just something going on and I need help. And I'm okay with that. So up until about age 16, I had a really hard time trusting medical professionals and people that people really wanted to help me until I met these two people that really clicked with me. And I was able to really tune into myself and be like, okay, like we can work with this. I'm going to be okay. Like I got this. So that's kind of where things started to really turn. That's fantastic. That's really, it, it sort of really shows the importance of, of, a, of a couple of things. One, you know, we think a lot about the importance of the, the relationships that people yeah. develop with the treatment team and with individual clinicians and, and individual people in the treatment experience because relationships are, are so healing or they can be so right. healing. They can also be a little less healing, but they, they can so be healing and, and the, the vehicle that that is, is so important to help people, you know, help us find ourselves, find yeah. our, our best selves. And it sounds like that was part of how it worked for you is having those people that were really pivotal in your experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. How about now? Like, how do you maintain a healthy relationship with food and your body, body image? What, what specific strategies have been helpful for you, particularly in protecting your recovery? Yeah. So I, going off of the relationships thing, I think having people that you can trust around you and not feeling ashamed to open up when a struggle does come up or this thought comes up and you're like, what the heck? Like I've had this under control for so long. And now where did that come from? And not being able, like, I always was very good at holding it in and I'll just fix it later. Like it's fine. And now as soon as it comes up, and this was just some promise I made to myself of like, I'm just going to bring it up because in the past people have judged me. Yes. But I know people who I have right now aren't judging me. So like my fiance, for example, I remember having the conversation with him when we were first dating and it was a couple hour conversation of him just asking questions and trying to understand. And I had never had anybody do that before. Like outside of, you know, those two people that I talked about therapist wise, nobody in my personal life really cared. I mean, like my mom knew because she was there with me throughout the entire process, but I was able to open up to somebody and be very, very vulnerable with somebody that had my back and was just interested in knowing how he could support. And I was like, wow, okay, this, this is helpful. Like, okay, there has to be more people like this and I don't have to hold it on myself or just inside. And so I've made it a point to really be 100% open and honest, especially with him. He's been a huge support just within the last four years. I 
I've been in recovery for 10, but man, the last four years have just changed my perspective. Um, having a young daughter is the biggest blessing and the most scary thing ever for me going through this. My intention for her is to, for her to see her mom love herself. Because if I start saying that something's wrong with my body, she can catch on to that and she's perfect. And I would never say anything about that to anybody else, her especially. And I'm, I'm now this example from somebody that's so vulnerable at this point. She's one and a half, but she watches me. And I want to exude confidence and love for myself and love for other people. And I can't do that if I'm not healthy. And I can't do that if I'm slipping back into my eating disorder. And I don't want her to know that life. I want her to know how to love herself and how to appreciate herself and everything that her body can do for her. Being pregnant gave me an entirely new perspective on what just the human body can do. So I think a lot of my big shifts of just kind of like, this is just never happening again, happened within the last four years of finding that person that truly loves me for me, no matter what my past is, continually checking in with me and supporting me no matter what. And then having a daughter who you want to look at you the way you look at her, because there's nothing wrong with her. And she's learning that from me. And no matter what anybody else says, she knows she has mom. And with me as the example, at least she has that going forward. So that's huge for me in my recovery. Fitness and nutrition have always been a big thing for me. I've always loved it. And I've developed this new relationship with it that it's not about what my body looks like, but it's like, dang, my body is strong. My body is able to do this. My body is able to do things that I've only dreamed of since I was a teenager. And I can do it healthily. And I can help other people realize like, hey, society isn't correct. Just so you know, these diets don't work because that's not what our bodies are meant to do. And you're just going to live on this hamster wheel of why am I not good enough? And why don't I look like X, Y, and Z? Or this person does this. Why isn't it working for me? It's because it's your body. And your body is meant to be taken care of how you want to take care of it. And everybody's different. And if you respect your body and love your body and accept it for who it is and why it was created, you're going to have a much more fulfilling life. And I've really just held on to that. And I've done a lot of inner work and I've done a lot of personal development and with my fiance and without my fiance and for my daughter, that it's just like my eyes are open to another world of love and acceptance. And I, I hope everybody else can just feel that because I think everybody deserves it. And I don't want to go back to the dark spot I was in because that wasn't a very loving spot for me or anybody around me. I love it. I want to live in that world, Taylor. Sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a great place. Yeah. You know, a lot of people who experience an eating disorder experience sort of like how recovery has influenced other parts of their life and maybe learnings they gleaned through the eating disorder sort of applied apply forward or shift our perspective. Do you see any of that for you? Like the lessons you learned in the really difficult experience you had, how's it shifted your perspective and just being you and dealing with tough things? Yeah. I honestly, I really look at as, as weird as it sounds, I look at that as a gift of being able to have that type of struggle because it's really something that a lot of people don't experience to that extent. And 
I learned a lot of valuable lessons through that, that I would have never learned in school. That it's just, it sets me up for how harsh the world can be sometimes and having a confidence within myself because I had to go through such a lack of confidence and a lack of knowledge around myself and my body. And I had to kind of grow up a lot quicker because I was on my own for a lot of these developmental stages. Sure. I had my mom there to support me, but it's like, I was in treatment when a lot of firsts happened for me and I had to figure it out on my own. And really when you, when I came back out into like the real world, I was 18. So I was an adult at that point. I had missed school. I had missed high school. I had missed most of college, but I had these like valuable life experiences of learning about myself and about other people and just how the mind works that I think it gives me a view on life that I'm just so grateful to be here. And looking back on a lot of times when medical professionals are like, she's not going to make it and telling my parents that and telling me that. And it's like, man, I'm so lucky to be here. Like, look at the life I have and really focusing on the little things. And at the time I was going through my eating disorder, food was a big thing. And now it's a little thing in my life of, I do it every day and I feed my daughter and I make meals and I love to bake and I can try my own stuff. And it's just like, look how far I've come. And so that perspective has now taken me to how can I be successful in a lot of areas of my life? Because I have the tools to do it. I trust myself enough to be smart enough and good enough and to be an example for others and to be a leader and not a follower. And I think there's a lot of valuable life experience. And I really do look at my eating disorder as a gift. And I struggled as long as I did for years. And it was a gift because I now get to live this life that I wouldn't have had without it. And I've learned so much from it and I've learned what I want and what I don't want and who I am and who I'm not and what I like and what I don't. And I'm okay with that because of what I went through. And it wasn't just this straight path that everybody takes. It was like, I got this roller coaster ride for 12 years and I made it through and a lot of it was on my own. And now I, I know that with my support system and with my family and we've made it through a lot. And I think it just, within that gift I was given, I wouldn't be the same person I am today. And I'm thankful for it. Yeah. That's incredible. It's it, it, it I think it is so true. And, and how, how poignant that those lessons are, and they're, they're just so beautiful and sort of propel people to be able to do amazing things that you, you did a lot on your own and a lot in that, you know, early those early stages of your life. Tell us more what you want to do now. We know you're really passionate about spreading eating disorder awareness and recovery beyond your own family. You know, tell us how your experience impacts your advocacy work and what you, what you want to do with it. Yeah, I, I do have a huge passion for helping others. And I think that's the other thing too, is like, I can look at myself as having enough confidence in the tools to actually help other people just based off of experience alone. And I think help people understand it at a deeper level of really what it's like, because you really don't know unless you've been through it. You may go to school and you may learn, but until you've been through something like that, you're never going to reach the same level as what that person is struggling with. So I have throughout the years, I've helped younger girls with just kind of being a coach for them. I've helped several moms and helped them learn more about what's going on inside their daughter's head and tried to explain it to them 
from somebody who had experienced that. Now somebody who's also on the other side of it and like, Hey, this is how we can support. This is how you can be there. And a lot of it really ended up providing comfort to the parents on what to expect with treatment and how they can be supportive. And it's such a new world for both the person going into treatment and the parents. And I think sometimes it's forgotten about that the parents have a a lack of knowledge and are just kind of like, why don't you eat? And I'm going to lose my kid. And my mom and I have really talked over the years of like what it was like for her. And it like broke my heart because she just didn't know what to do. And I think it's a really unique way to keep continuing to support eating disorders and advocating for them by going to parents. And that's where I kind of had the passion to, I hope one day maybe have a business that is coaching moms who have daughters with eating disorders because I think there's so much value in having that support system that knows how to support and not to point fingers and not to ask the questions that are most triggering. And we just don't know. We're doing the best we can. And so are our parents. And I think to be on that same level of just how do I help you and how can I understand more is so important. So yeah, right now I'm, I'm doing a lot of personal training and nutrition, but I weave in that balance. I just think I want to, I want diet culture gone. I, it doesn't work and freedom around food and learning about balance and learning to love yourself and work out for the right reasons. And that's all I ever really wanted. I just didn't have anybody to help guide me. I hope I can help within the schools to provide a lot of direction for young girls or kids going through that, because I think you know, we have the guidance counselors and we have therapists and all of that. But again, when you have experience and passion about something, you're going to reach somebody on a deeper level. So I would love to continue helping people and help them find happiness and recovery. And hopefully sooner than I did, I would like to kind of bridge that gap a little bit, but, um, I find a lot of fulfillment in helping people understand really what it's like to have an eating disorder and how to recover. It's, it's a, it's a passion project for sure. So I feel very blessed. Oh, that's awesome. Well, we're, we're the world is lucky to have you doing that work. And I, I even think about in your personal training and in your uh, work with people who maybe don't have an eating disorder, but are swimming in this diet culture and getting personal training and having goals maybe that are maybe a little unrealistic because that's what our culture sells right. people. What a gift you are to them to have a different perspective of mm-hmm. how do you come, you know, come to that kind of uh, taking care of your body and experiencing your body through activity in a different way. Right. So that's a, a huge gift. It's Thank incredible. You. So I want to wrap up with a question that we, that we try to always ask people who are in recovery and experienced recovery Uh, Because a lot of times people will listen and they're not there yet, right? They're listening, like looking for some, some information, some inspiration, some hope, something. Um, And a lot of times people think, yeah, that's great. Like, that's so cool that that's happened for you, Taylor, but that's never going to happen for me. I'm never going to be where you are right now. What would you say to them? Never say never, because I for sure never, ever thought that recovery was possible. I just never believed the people that were trying to help me when they said like, you can live without an eating disorder. And I'm like, okay, like I could probably live a little bit better than I am right now, but you're not telling me all this is going away. And while 
realistically, it doesn't go away. It becomes manageable and it becomes another level of confidence, if you will. It becomes something that it's like, hey, I can recognize where I'm at right now and I have the tools to get out of it in five seconds instead of five days. So I would tell them to keep pushing and know that you're capable of things that you may not feel right now. But if you keep taking little steps, you don't have to make leaps. You don't have to do it for anybody else. You really have to dig deep and do it for yourself and take small steps. And every time you take a small step, be proud of that small step because it's one step closer than you were yesterday or than you were three days ago. This isn't something that has to, it doesn't have a time frame. but as long as you're moving towards recovery, you're benefiting yourself. You're moving towards happiness. And all I can say is it's worth it. Like it's worth it to take the small steps and then take a big step and then take maybe a few steps backwards, but then take another small step forward. Like it's not perfect and you don't have to be perfect, but it's worth it to be happy. And everybody's recovery looks different. Do not compare recoveries. Do it for yourself and just be confident in what makes you happy and just keep pushing forward because it is possible. And as much as that was beaten into my head, it's possible, it's possible, it's possible. Like it is possible. And it's a beautiful side to life when you're not controlled by an eating disorder and you can hear your own voice and it starts to happen little by little, the eating disorder gets quieter. That's so well said. Taylor, thank you so much for spending time with us today, for sharing your story, for for being with us and, and sharing your hope out into the world. It's wonderful. Absolutely. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you'd like to learn more about the Emily Program and what we do, visit emilyprogram.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Emily Program. Piecemeal is produced by Angie Mitchell and Nancy Linden with music by Dan Forkey. Thanks for listening.